Hey, Pioneers, and welcome to this bonus episode. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking all about planning a garden, especially in light of this still being a pandemic year. Now, garden planning in wintertime is always not only one of my favorite things to do because I'm not really doing a whole lot out in the garden. In fact, right after Christmas and that whole week of New Year's, that's one of my favorite things to do is sit down and do a lot of my garden planning. All of the seed catalogs have started to arrive, or at least most of them, and it is just one of my absolute favorite things to do. But not only is it one of my favorite things to do, because it definitely itches that gardening itch for us, or scratches, I should say, that came out totally wrong, scratches that gardening itch for us. But it's also very important to a successful garden and a less stressful garden, as well as increasing your harvest. Because if you're planning things out ahead of time, then you are not missing any of those critical key planting times or not having those seeds and the different supplies needed in order to hit all of your planting dates. So today's episode, as I said, is a bonus episode. So to hop on over to the blog post that accompanies it for all of the different links and resources, as well as the full on video, you're going to want to go to melissaknorris.com forward slash bonus one. So that's bonus spelled out and then just the number one, melissaknorris.com forward slash bonus one. And this was actually a YouTube video that I did on planning a year's worth of food amongst especially the ongoing COVID realities. And so if you want to watch the video, I highly encourage that. And the video is just embedded here on the blog post that I just told you you could go to that link to get to. Or you can listen to the audio, which is going to be coming your way after this introduction. And so I just wanted to share that to you because if you are listening to it and I mention or it sounds like I'm referencing something that's like in my hands and you're like, this is kind of It's because I took it from the video and originally I wasn't even going to have it be a podcast episode, but then one of my uh, team members who helps me edit and gets the podcast up and going after it's recorded as long as the, as well as, not as long as, as well as the YouTube videos, she was watching the YouTube video and she's like, I think this really needs to be a podcast episode. Like this is really good. There's a ton of awesome info in here can we make this into a podcast episode? And I'm like, yes, it will just be one of our bonus episodes. So welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast and this bonus episode. Planning your garden, especially with the pandemic and the COVID is more important to most people than it has been ever before. Another thing is people are more focused now as well as they should be on being able to provide food for their family throughout the whole year, especially everything that they can from their garden. But I used to be like this too, is we really only had one main garden and we did it during the summertime. A lot of people figure you just do one big summer garden and that's it. However, with almost every climate, you can get in at least two more plantings and essentially have three gardens all throughout the year. So planning is absolutely key though to making sure that you, one, have the seeds, you have the right amount of the crops and the right crops for the right planting time. So in the early springtime, and of course you're gonna be going by your last average frost date when we're planting our spring gardens. 
So that's going to vary. You can just pop your zip code into Google or whatever search engine you like to use and find out what your last average frost date is in the spring if you don't know what it is. But that's going to allow you to count backwards or to know when you're going to be planting your crops for your area. But in the springtime, there is a lot of vegetables that we can be growing and harvesting and not waiting until summer. And actually, most of them, you're going to get a lot better crop. You're going to have less issues with things bolting as we get into that summer heat with these cool weather vegetables. And so you actually get more. It's easier on you as the gardener, but it's making sure that you get them in at the right time. And this year, because of COVID and all the pandemic stuff and things that we witnessed last year, it's really key that you are planning ahead even further in advance. But first off, a lot of what you have in a fall or winter garden is also going to be a lot of the same things that you're going to have going into a spring garden because they're things that do well in cool weather. So for example, a lot of things we like to do in our spring, early spring garden is going to be cauliflower and broccoli. These do really well in spring the seeds will germinate when the soil's a little bit cooler. You can start them inside, but they are frost hardy down into the 20s. So even if you are still getting some frost in the spring or some early freezes, it's not going to harm them. Now, one caveat to that though, and this is where that planning is so key, is making sure that when they're little baby seedlings, that they aren't exposed to those low temperatures. So once they're established plants like these guys, they can get those cold temps and it's not going to harm them. But if they're just little itty bitty baby starts and they're exposed to those temperatures, oftentimes it can kill them. So that's where it's really key that you have that planting in or you're starting some of those seeds indoors. Some other crops that do really well in the early springtime are gonna be things like beets. So here I've got some of my beets. I still need to mulch these with straw, which if you didn't catch the video on the vegetables that I keep in the winter, or in the garden, I should say, during the fall and winter months, go and watch that because that'll give you some great ideas on what you can do with that fall planting for the third crop. Some other things that do really well are going to be lettuce. So you wanna make sure you're getting um, cool varieties, hardy varieties of lettuce, but those grow really well in the early spring. In fact, I have lettuce that I will put out in February, and then as it continues and, and it grows on, we'll be harvesting it clear through, through into April and then into May before I'm putting in the next crop. Some other vegetables to also consider are gonna be your cabbages. So you can do regular cabbage, which I've got some here. This one I got planted a little bit late. Remember that key is your planting time for successful crops. So this I could have planted a little bit earlier. So I'm making notes in my planner for a lot of my cabbage and my broccoli and cauliflower crops. When I plant them for the fall winter garden, they need to go in the ground if I'm direct seeding a few weeks earlier. Cabbage does great, regular cabbage. And then I've also got some Napa cabbage that's going really well here. This is great. Um, for kimchi is usually what we use our Napa cabbage for, but it does really well in the cool weather and can be definitely done in the spring. As well as I've got Brussels sprouts and kale. Now the Brussels sprouts you plant in the early spring, but Brussels sprouts take about 100 to 120 days before they come to harvest. So some things you'll plant in the spring, but you're actually not going to get to harvest them in the spring. But things like um, daikon radish and kale will do really well. And you can also do an early planting of potatoes in the spring, and then you can get 
two crops of potatoes. So you can get your early spring potatoes in, and then you can also do another planting in summer that you would be harvesting in the fall. So you really wanna be thinking of crops and vegetables and timing those different plantings. So ideally, you would be able to put in at least two, if not three plantings in the same beds or the same area and rotate those through. So you're basically getting three gardens in one year, which of course is really going to increase the amount of vegetables that you get. However, you have to make sure that you have the seeds and you know your seed starting dates for those of us that do need to seed start some of our things inside. So I'm gonna give you some of my best tips on getting your seeds early to avoid having them all be sold out or some of the companies, seed companies just could not keep up with the demand and so they actually shut down. Um, we're not taking any orders for a while until they could get caught up. So one of the things that we did this past year that if you don't have it already ready, I recommend doing as soon as possible, and that is making sure that you have all of your garden seed. Now we do quite a bit of seed saving. So th this is my seed for our green Tar Heel pole beans that my family's been seed saving for over a hundred years. So this is our green bean. And then this is our seed on our October bean, which is a Shelly bean. They're usually ready in October. Hence, I know, really clever there, right? The name October bean that we use as a dried bean. But this is also our seed. Now, if you haven't been seed saving, you're like, well, that doesn't work very well for me. But this is a year where you definitely, and I would recommend, begin to learning about seed saving. So if you have not gotten your seeds yet, you wanna make sure that you are purchasing, even if you're not sure that you're gonna seed save, if you have open pollinated or heirloom seeds to begin with, then you have the option to seed save from them, even if you decide you might not. Um, but if you're like, man, we really are gonna do seed saving, you've got your heirloom seeds, then that part is already done for you. So I have, we don't, and we don't seed save everything. So I do have seed saves here. I have seed saving on, quite a few, so this is all of my vegetable seeds currently are in this storage container here. So let me see here. Um, like, and you'll see in some of them, like in here I have got some carrot seed that I have seed saved myself. So I just put them in a little Ziploc bag and I usually try to mark it with the near, year, near, ooh, no, the year and the variety on the bag. And a lot of your seeds are viable for a number of years, provided that you store them in an area that doesn't have any direct sunlight. So these, I have them out right now just to show you, but then they stay in a back closet that doesn't have any windows, any direct light, and stays relatively cool and dry, of course. But seeds will be viable for at least a couple of years, if not three or four. They, over time, um, they just begin to lose some of their germination rate. So meaning if you were to plant 10 seeds, for example, the first year, probably all 10 would germinate. That'd be 100% germination rate. If the seed is like three years old, then maybe only um, seven of the 10 seeds germinate. So then you would have obviously 70% germination rate. So it just kind of goes down over time. But I have planted some seed that's been like five years old and almost all of it has germinated. So. The only thing that I don't recommend that you get super far ahead of time that doesn't seem to have a good shelf life is onion seed. So if you're actually doing onion seed, which I do have some onion seed here that we did last year, and I'm just gonna test the germination rate on it this year just to see, um, and not onion sets. We're actually buying like the little tiny little onion bulbs and you're planting them but doing them from seed. Uh, they don't have a good storage rate. So if they're over a year old, 
you can test them if you don't have any fresh, but usually they don't germinate very well. Um, so mine is kind of a combination of everything, of seed seeded ourselves, and then also from seed stores. So I do the majority of my seed shopping, I do do online. Some of my favorite companies um, that do organic and heirloom is Siskiyou Seeds. Now this is a seed company out of Oregon. So I'm in the Pacific Northwest, I'm actually in Washington state, but um, they have a lot of varieties because they're actually seed saving on site and from local farms that's really similar to my growing climate. Now, I actually have readers and members of the Pioneering Today Academy as well as inside my different gardening courses that don't live in the Pacific Northwest and have ordered seed from them and have been really happy with them too. But just know if you have a, a cooler climate or you're looking at doing um, some of those spring and fall gardens that is cool weather. They have a great seed selection. I've been highly impressed with the germination rate and the viability of the seeds that I've gotten from them. Really like it. Another company that's really great is called Seeds for Generations. Um, this is actually by a friend of mine and his wife and his kids, and this, they have an heirloom seed company. The kids actually help do all the packing. So they'll write little cute little notes to you when you get your package of seeds from them. And they are heirloom seeds as well and really good prices. So that can be another great source. And you'll see I have a combination of all different companies because not all companies carry the same variety. And I like to test out different varieties. Um, and just kind of spread the, spread the seed ordering love. And another thing that's great about that too is if one company gets sold out of something or we saw this past year, actually, that there was quite a few companies, um, Heirloom or Baker Creek, it's, their website is heirloomseeds.com, I believe. But Baker Creek Seeds, they were so inundated with orders that they didn't shut their website down, but they wouldn't take any new orders for a few days until they could get caught up. So I'm trying to see, I know I have some packets of seed from them somewhere. I do like Baker Creek as well. I've ordered, I started ordering from them when we started doing all heirloom a long time ago. Um, so here I've got some different tomato seeds. And actually that's where I first got my San Marzano Lungo number two, which is my favorite paste tomato that all my tomato sauce and all my tomato, those kind of products for not just fresh eating that I like to grow, I got from them. So here's one of those seed packets. Another seed company that I like to order from as well, I'm trying to see if I have any left from them. Um, Johnny Seeds is a great one. And I have a blog post that has a list with links of all of the seed companies that I'll order from and that you might wanna check out and consider as well. Um, but the other one is the Seed Savers Organization. So they have some really cool and different unique varieties and I also like to order from them. I don't know if I have any packets so to actually show you in here. As you can see, I've got uh, quite a bit. I have it pretty much alphabetized um, from B all the way to Z for my zucchini. So this is all of my vegetable seeds, except for what I'm seed saving myself. This is, we just need too much of this. I can't fit it in these little things. So they go in my mason jars. Um, so this is pretty much predominantly my vegetable seeds. And then here, this one's not full yet. I think that means I need to go seed shopping, don't you agree? But this is my flower and medicinal herbs and a lot of my companion planting seeds. So I've got different types of nasturtium. I use orange nasturtium. This was a combo pack. 
um, to help for cabbage moths to help deter them. So I plant this in between my cabbages and the Brussels sprouts, anything kind of in that cool family. Um, I do a lot of companion planting with that. I've got some of my culinary herbs like basil and holy basil, those annuals that have to be started from seed every year. And then I have a bunch of different medicinal flower seeds. And if you're curious to see what I'm growing medicinal flower-wise, especially from seed, um, you'll wanna check out the video that I have done on that that walks you through how to do cold seed stratification because some of your um, flowers actually have to go through a cold process before they will sprout, but that's not true with vegetables. Now, we've talked about making sure we have our seed supply right and actually the importance of considering seed, start, seed saving if you're not, you're also gonna wanna do seed starting and starting with heirloom seeds as your base is gonna get you to be able to do that. But planning, if you're really planning on having to feed your family or perhaps trying to feed your family or increase the amount of food that you're producing at home is how much to plant per person, which is gonna let you know how many seeds do I actually need to get. So I have uh, the family garden plan that walks you through pretty much A to Z to growing a year's worth of food for your family from the planning stages like we're talking about right now to seed starting, harvesting, preserving, all those fun things. But the good news is you can actually get for free the chart on fruits and vegetables on how much to plant per person for a year's worth of food. So if you wanna to go to familygardenplan.com, I'll have a link beneath the video so you can click there. You can actually get and download this chart completely for free. It's just one of the many charts that's in this, this book, The Family Garden Plan. Now, you probably heard me say that I actually started my cabbage this summer for my fall cabbage crop a little bit too late. That's why that head of cabbage was super small and it, once you hit um, getting a lot of frost and you're in the portion of winter where the daylight hours are really short, they don't really grow beyond the size that they are right then. So they'll kind of stay like in hibernation mode out in the garden, but they don't really produce much larger, larger than what they're at. So that means I need to plant them earlier. And that is where the family garden planner comes into action. So this has seed starting and planting. So not only in the early spring, but also when to plant for fall crops as well. So it walks you through in alphabetical order, letting you know all of those tips, how many days it should take it to germinate, if you're direct sowing, if you're starting it indoors, um, your sow date, and then the plant. But the great thing is, is this is an actual year, week, and day planner. So I will actually be marking that I'm gonna be starting mine two weeks earlier this summer and putting it into my day planner so that I don't miss those planting dates because I feel like this year, just kind of like last is more important that I get everything dialed in just a little bit more and a little bit better. So I will be using this, which is the family garden planner. So these are great. You can use them independently, but they also work really well together. And this is how I keep track of all of our gardening and our food, as well as how much gets produced. So this time of year, if you're looking at my November and December dates when we're filming this, um, I don't have a whole lot coming in harvest-wise from the garden, just a little bit. I still have potatoes I'm bringing in and some of those root crops. Um, but this was back in the summer, and so I have notes um, of how much I brought in. There's harvest yield notes, which is really great. Um, so I can look back at this and know as I'm planning this year how much to plant if I need to increase or decrease certain amounts of plants. And I've got all of the notes and data here so that I can know for sure what we need to do for our family. So you can go and grab those free charts and get started planning your garden. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this bonus episode. 
And I wanted to end this out, of course, with our verse of the week. So we are over in Ephesians chapter five, and we are on verse 15 and 16. And this is the Amplified Translation of the Bible. Look carefully then how you walk, live purposely and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. And I wanted to share that verse with you more on the aspect of living purposely and worthily and accurately and as wise, sensible, intelligent people. And even though this is talking about well, when we live our lives, it's actually obviously our actions, but the spiritual side, like all of the the different parts of us, I felt like it was very applicable to this podcast episode and YouTube video because it's talking about, you know, making sure that we are planning ahead and that we are wise with having all of our resources at the ready and early to be able to grow our own food. And I also really like where it says to make the most, very most of the time because Our time is our most valuable commodity. We can't get any more hours in a day. Oh, my friend, how I wish we could at times. So I'm taking this as a reminder to myself to be very careful of how I'm spending my time. And when I'm spending my time, are those things edifying me, bringing me joy, lifting me up? Or are there activities that are making me anxious, making me stressful, are not really contributing to anything when I'm looking at it? You know, as, and there are times when we definitely should have downtime where we don't have to be doing something that's productive. Uh, one of my favorite things in the evening time is after everybody else goes to bed, I stay up for about usually an hour, sometimes half an hour, depending on how the night has gone. And I love to read a good fiction novel. Usually it's historical fiction, Christian, Christian historical fiction, but I also really love historical fiction where they've taken in a true event or a true person and then create like it's based on a true subject or a, something that happened in history. And then they create a fictional novel around it. Those are some of my favorite things to do. And so I guess you could look at that and say, well, it's productive in that it brings me joy and it helps me. It's part of my bedtime routine so that I can get to sleep and have a better good night's sleep. But as far as really being productive, no, it's not doing anything productive and it's needed. But as I said, is really looking at my time and how I'm spending it and making sure that I'm doing it in a matter that is benefiting to me. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm actually going to be back with you because this was the bonus episode in just a couple of days with an awesome episode. Get ready, my friend. It is a good one. All about deorganizing, deorganizing. No, we want to be organized. We don't want to deorganize. Y'all, I've only had a half cup of coffee this morning before I recorded this intro and outro. I don't know if you can tell. I definitely should have finished the cup beforehand. <laughs> but it's being organized and decluttered and doing it in a way that's not overwhelming, but gets your whole house, including garage or gardening areas, yes, done in a calendar year and breaks it down for you in a very great and tact- tactful way. So I can't wait for you to join me on that episode. And I know our time is such a valuable commodity. So thank you so much for spending it with me here on the Pioneering Today podcast. Blessings in mason jars for now. Mm-hmm.